0: to you by flower child and james tillman you know what check that song out if you're into flower child or if you're into flowers by ours so coming up next i actually am going to be speaking with the phenomenal friend of mine who i'm grateful to call a friend sarah johnston who is actually going to be sharing a little bit more about her work that she does as an executive coach to those who are high performing achievers. You know, she got tired of seeing good people get passed over for opportunities in their careers. And it's actually what led her to launching her business in 2016 to partner with high achievers to help them reach their career goals at full potential. And she is a rock star executive coach on LinkedIn, LinkedIn brand strategist, specialist, expert, whatever you call it. So you are going to go through a world of knowledge with her today. And more importantly, we're going to be talking about a lot of what we're seeing even with COVID-19 and how it's been a struggle for parents who are balancing both work as well as fatherhood and motherhood. And in addition to that, what she thinks are some of the things we can do to create entrepreneurial think tanks, entrepreneurial think tanks for those who still want to create, still solve problems and don't exactly know how to do that given the time that we're all going through. With that said, let me go ahead and bring on Sarah to that show. Hey, Sarah.
1: Hey, Tim, I'm so excited to be here. This is really fun. I was loving your jams.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Appreciate you for being here. How are you doing?
1: You know, I'm doing OK.
0: <laughs> you know what's going on, right?
1: We're doing OK. We, you know, it's funny. We connected about two months ago to talk through what we were going to talk about today. And I think two months ago, I thought school would be back. I think I was in denial and thought, oh, yeah, things are going to be back to normal. Yeah. And today is the official first day of school in my kids' district, and I think all over the country. And it's virtual, and it's virtual from now, for sure, until the end of January. So I think it's kind of hitting a reality place for me and many other people.
0: Yeah, that this might be the way we're living for the next few years, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's I- timely.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I would love for you to kind of tell us a little bit more about, you know, kind of yourself, Sarah, and all of the things you've done before actually starting your business, because you have actually quite the dynamic career, too.
1: Thank you. That's very kind. So I started my professional life as a recruiter. And I think that if you look at the work that I've done over my career, there's a, a common thread, and that's people and leveraging relationships for the better good. Um, I have a husband who's in a role where we've had to move every three to four years. And so I've had to make some career pivots. I spent almost six years as a university fundraiser, major gift fundraiser. So I raised capital for, for two different universities and then went back to recruiting. Um, most recently worked for nationwide children's hospital, which is the largest children's hospital in the country. And then left uh, a little over three years ago to start my own business.
0: Wow. And for, for you, you know, you always have to kind of adapt your career and COVID-19 has caused like thousands and millions of people to kind of adapt and rethink their career overnight. And you've actually been sharing a lot of content on LinkedIn about, you know, tips that people can actually apply to think about mm-hmm. how you pivot during this period. You know, at what moment in your life did you realize kind of like career pivots are natural?
1: Um, you know, when there was a narrative back in 2007, 2009, when the last recession happened and it was a really hurtful narrative and it was, it was geared towards millennials and they told the, the the media and the message was that you don't need to be a job hopper. And there, there was this negativity towards job hopping. And, you know, I was moving every few years for my husband's job. And so I guess technically I was a job hopper. Um, and I wanted to just kind of squash that narrative because I think it's important for people to realize it's OK to change your mind. A job is not permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the only things permanent in life are, you know, maybe tattoos and you can even get those off. Like a, a job can be a great place to learn a new skill set and build new relationships. But it's not something that has to you have to stick with it like 30 years like your grandparents did. So I realized pretty early in my career that it was normal for me to have to make pivots. And then I started talking to people and people were staying in roles that they didn't like for a long time because they were afraid of being that job hopper and afraid of making that move. Um, There's a book and it just came out this past year and I love it. It's written by two girls from Europe. Um, they, They have a British podcast. It's called Squiggly Careers. Yeah. They're really cool. But anyways, the whole theme of the book is that, you know, the new norm, the new future of work is that we're all going to have a lot of different careers. And instead of saying, you know, I'm just going to be a graphic designer and stay in graphic design work and then move my way up in graphic design, there's going to be some common thread between the work that you've done and the work that you will do. And just like I said at the beginning, the common thread for me is I like to build relationships and leverage relationships for greater good. And so you've got to figure out for you what that common thread is.
0: You know, it's 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 hard for people to find that common thread, though, in their careers, right? Especially when you're early in your career, or even mid your career, because you've been doing something for so long for so time. It kind of it, it defines who you are. You know, how do you think people start decoupling? You know, what that threat is for them specifically.
1: So I'm a huge fan of UMAP. You may have read that I'm a fan of this book before, but it's based on um, the strengths Finder, the Gallup Strengths Finder. I think when you know yourself well and you know your strengths, it's a lot easier to articulate what value you bring to an organization and what you're looking for. I think it's also really important to know yourself and what you value. And for some people that's wealth or that's notoriety or that's, you know, time off or time with your family. And so when you know those things and you are clear on those things, it's easier for you to find that common thread
0: it's 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 so true you know because it, 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 it kind of goes with that intrinsic extrinsic. do you covet recognition status position title that's fine you know it's it, to, to to each his own but then there's some people who really more so um, covet like family mm-hmm. right being around like really great teams they really factor in more culture when it comes to making their decisions um versus maybe like the big brand they're getting to work with uh, do you kind of feel as if now given COVID-19 just kind of now focus on family, wellness and us kind of doing things that we should be doing more of at a local community level. Do you think that's kind of changing people's expectations on what they want from work in a sense of they're looking now more so for like security and safety? Like what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, if you look at the data from Zillow people are moving from California and New York at, at a rapid pace and where are they going? They're going to their roots because they've been in this COVID situation where they had no support, they've been in quarantine, they've been on lockdown, and they now want to get back to something that's more familiar. Um, I also think that COVID is bringing out the worst in some employers. Mm -hmm. um, I have a good friend whose boss walked into a Zoom meeting and she said, I know y'all are all struggling with childcare. I know this is hard, but I don't want to hear about it. You figure it out on your own time. And it's that kind of narrative that's making people say, Heck no, I don't wanna work here. As soon as I can get out of this environment, I need a place that's more understanding, more flexible.
0: Wow, that is crazy. The fact that there's (laughs) there's employers like that out there. That is actually scary. Um, And it's truly scary. And if that's your employer, please reach out to us on guide. We'll take care of you because we definitely don't do that. That's awful. So much love to Betty Hart, who is a member of our community. Betty is saying, I feel you, Sarah. The transition (laughs) struggle is real. So she is from Chicago. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you kind of help some of your clients because you work with executive coaches and some people who are also at that mid-career stage. You know, how have you kind of coached them to help and transition them through through times like this? Because sadly, business is going great for you <laughs> due to times like this. But how do you kind of like coach people through a transition?
1: Are we talking a career pivot where they have like maybe their industry, maybe they're in travel and their industry is being hurt? And so they're making. Yeah. OK, yeah. So I think the, the first thing that I usually ask people is, are you married to your location? For some people, like they're in Austin, Texas, and they always want to be in Austin, Texas. And for them, they will change industries before they'll change location. So you need to get, you need to know what your non-negotiables are. Do you can you stay where you are or are you open to relocating? Um the other thing I ask people, like if you're in making an industry shift what work that you're doing now is transferable so let's say you're an accountant in oil and gas oil and gas is being hit really hard right now so a lot of people who are in houston are making some career transitions or career pivots i but the the basic skill set of accountancy is transferable so you could do that in other industries outside of accounting so who in your local market or who in your region is really thriving and would hire people like you with your skill set and I think it's so important for people to actually go through the exercise while tedious and time consuming of building out that target company list and looking at what your options are, where you could work, who hires people like you, and who you know at those companies so that you can have networking conversations.
0: That's huge. That's huge. And you just get you just, you just drop the gems right there, right? You right. literally just drop the gems because people don't realize the importance of Strategic networking, especially during times like this, and thinking about are you going into emerging industries versus laggard and lagging industries that are on the decline? And you know, I love how you mentioned that oil and gas right now is struggling, but think about could you join an electrical vehicle company and bring those same transferable skills that you have in accountancy? Want to show love to Samantha McMillan, who says, I love working from home. I'm never going back. How about you? I'm sure that's what she's thinking. Like I'm never going back. Sarah, what about you? Do you love working from
1: home? No.
0: (laughs) How do you feel about it? Let's talk about it.
1: Oh, as a business owner, I work in a home office. This is my home. This is my office. I find as an extrovert that I really miss people and connections. I get to talk to people like you and I get to talk to my clients on the phone. But I miss having just like Coffee chats, and um, I miss having that, like the the really casual conversation. So, while this is working really well for me during COVID, and it hasn't been a really big transition, I'm an extrovert, and I would love some separation between my home life and my office.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's real. That's real. You know, and I I feel the same way too, and that's why I've, I've done a great job of kind of setting boundaries for myself. Right, like when you're working, you're working, but create time to go out. Literally get out of this bubble, and it's okay for us to take walks. And you know, you, we we've, we've been reading a lot in the news about there's actually like local communities now who are encouraging people like make sure you stay away from you know people you're not familiar with, but be mindful of like taking those mental health checks and those oh, yeah. checks going out because as human beings, we still need to be able to go out. And like, actually, have the feel the warmth of the sunlight. Um, just because we're we're social animals, um, in in that regard, you know, I want to show love to my boy Steve, who's saying, "Tim, what's up, Steve?" He's tuning in from Twitter. Much love to Steve, and shout out to Samantha, who's saying, "Yes, that is right." So she's (laughs) feeling you. She's definitely feeling you. You know, I want us to talk a little bit more about Sarah. Something I know that you're super, super passionate about, which is families now and mothers, fathers now who are trying to like manage COVID nineteen. (laughs) <laughs> and manage their lives at work and manage taking care of their kids and manage making sure school, right? is, is all, Like all of these different bags that they're juggling. And you you can speak to this as a, as a mother as well. You know, what do you think are tips for them to kind of like transition and manage through this period?
1: I'm glad you asked me, Tim, because I think it's hard for people who are employed in a traditional job to talk about this. Yeah. It doesn't feel safe for people to talk about their struggles of parenting and work life balance if you're employed. I'm self-employed, so I'm comfortable saying that it can be really challenging. Um, I think that the reality is, is that childcare is very expensive. And just to give you a dollar figure, when my kids were in daycare, when I worked for the hospital, I was paying one hundred and forty three dollars a day just for my kids to be in daycare. And wow. that didn't include you know, the gas to get to work, my professional attire that I had to wear. If I wanted to go on vacation, I still had to pay for my kids to be in daycare, even if they weren't using their time spot. So it ended up being about one hundred and seventy dollars just for me to go to work. Wow. And so working moms now are feeling this crunch of um, they need to they feel this pressure to lean in because they're maybe feeling some job instability. They're mm-hmm. feeling um, that if they don't work and they don't perform, that they may be one of the first to go if their employer does a layoff. So they're feeling pressure to lean in. But they also are feeling so much pressure internally at their households. 30% of daycares and childcare centers have closed due to COVID. Um, my daughter's preschool is actually one that closed and we've had to make alternative plans. And I am speaking from a place of great privilege in that I, I have a spouse. Um, we both work, we both have an income But my heart really goes out to working single moms right now. And I think if you're listening and you want to step out of your comfort zone, one thing that you can do is show some love to your working single mom friends Um, and some ways that you can do that practically. There's this awesome website, and and I promise I'm not getting any any kickbacks for it. I'm just a fan. It's called Outgrow, or excuse me, OutSchool. Uh, OutSchool. Out school. (laughs) I love it because it's basically like online virtual school. And so send your working single mom friends a $20 gift card to out school so their kids can take a fun class on out school. Maybe send them. A Grubhub gift card, they can have dinner at their house, and that could be one thing off their plate. Or offer, like you mentioned, mental health walks are so good. Offer to go for a walk with your friend and push the stroller if you feel comfortable in a safe, social distance space outside. But I think that that, those are some just great ways that you can support people that you know in your network who are really at that breaking point.
0: I love that. I love that. And, you know, being... I I don't have kids, but I have a lot of friends who do have kids Mm -hmm. and families that they're juggling as well as trying to transition their professional lives right now. And I think the narrative that's often missing in the media is just how hard that is, to your point. And more importantly, the fact that there are solutions like out-school available for parents that can really, really help, aside from them kind of going into debt trying to also now think about child care, right? Because of uh, an external factor like COVID-19. And I love that you shared OutSchool because OutSchool is I believe a company based out in the Silicon Valley? I think, I'm not sure where they're, I think they're based in Silicon Valley, but shout out to, if, if they, I think they are. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. We'll have to we'll have to double check on that, but it's a really great company. One that I'm familiar with and I've been, I've been letting people who are, who are thinking about, okay, what are the alternative education formats so I can, you know, still homeschool my, my child?
1: hmm yeah. Um, and a lot of schools are virtual. This was the first week back at school for many kids across the country and they're doing school th- through virtual learning. There's um, I'm sure you're following it because of your connections in California, but a lot of families are going the pandemic pod route where yeah. a group of neighborhood families are getting together and they hire a tutor and the, they split the cost and the kids do a pandemic pod. I think you're going to find, and again, speaking from a place of privilege that this is um, sadly as you look at um, the data in the future from COVID, there's going to be a great divide between the people who can afford the tutoring and the extra resources and the families that can't. And I worry about kids getting left behind. And for listeners who want to do something, maybe there's an opportunity to tutor and help kids who are behind in school in the future get ahead.
0: Yeah, no, no, I I definitely think the the families that can afford a pandemic pod, definitely, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, to each his own, right? Like, uh, some people can afford that cost. But, you know, I feel because I, I mean, I'm a young man that, that grew up in the hood, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm privileged to accomplish the things I've accomplished in my career. But you, we definitely need to create more equity and access for those who are facing the struggle of the digital divide. And I think fundamentally, it's, um, it's, it's the onus on state level government and also our national leaders to think about how we making sure we're, we're, we're meeting each other halfway within that divide. So I want to also want to talk a little bit because you're, you're I mean, you're a, one of the greatest entrepreneurs I know, because you're so active in supporting people and yeah. really building community. You know, you mentioned something about entrepreneurial think, think tank tanks, right, that are really, really powerful during this time. Tell us a little bit more about your background <laughs> as an entrepreneur, and some of the think tanks you've been a part of in the in the past.
1: Okay, so I'm going to come across really nerdy here. I don't even know if I should reveal this about myself. (laughs) Um, One of my greatest moments in high school was I was on the state winning um, future problem solvers of America team. And we competed at the National Future Problem Solvers of America competition. We did not win, but it was a, a really fun experience because for as a high school kid, I got to think tank, think tank, and solve problems. And as an entrepreneur, sometimes you can get really head down, focused on what you're doing, what what task you have, what clients you have to see, how you're gonna, you know, increase rates or revenue. And sometimes mm-hmm. you get bogged down in the the work. And as a person who really likes to think big and who also enjoys the future of work, I think it would be really fun if a group of people got together once a month and did an entrepreneurial think tank. And we just thought of a, pulled a random idea out of a hat and got together and thought about how can we solve this in an hour? What would, what can we do to solve this in an hour? What resources, what ideas do we have to make things happen?
0: That's actually huge. I <laughs> I know I know a whole bunch of other entrepreneurs who would love to be a part of that, but I think it's solutions and things like that that change one well, of the world, but also allows us to see the opportunity in times like this, you know, and for, for me, I think that's, that should be something that we have in high schools and universities Ooh. right now. Um, and also in our local communities, you know, right now, uh, there's a lot of conversations around, you know even in SF cuz that's where i'm based. Shout out to Oakland if you're tuning in from Oakland. Much love Oakland. We right in your backyard. Um if you're tuning in from Oakland, like there's a lot of conversation now because so many people are leaving SF and so many people are leaving the other parts of the Bay Area. That's actually doing great for rent and like <laughs> housing prices, right? But at the same time it's allowing it's allowing talent that doesn't live in SF anymore to still be, you know, to still kind of like skirt through those tax advantages because they're not in SF. But, you know, so it's kind of like, it's it's gonna either hurt our economy or do good for our economy. So now we're kind of thinking about what's gonna be the new economic infrastructure for places like SF. And I'm sure New York is thinking the same. And my whole thing is the fact that we need to actually start being more intentional and helping people who come from low income communities or who are living in more impoverished communities to like participate in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. At a local level as well as a, at a
1: level. Yeah. I'm I'm a kid that grew up in Podunk, Georgia. And <laughs> did. I went to the same high school as Honey Boo Boo's mom. So if that's- <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> yeah. And and I look at just the opportunities that kids have in rural communities to participate in things like this. And being a part of the future problem solvers of America changed the trajectory of my life. It gave me a new way of thinking about problem solving. It gave me hope for the future. It put me in a path to meet new and exciting people. And so I'm really grateful for organizations like that and high schools.
0: No, oh, that's huge. That's huge. I love that so much, Sarah. You no, know, Sarah, what's next? What's next? What are you currently working on right now with the business? You know, what are some of the things that you're doing? Cause you've been actually sharing a lot of content on LinkedIn recently. Where can the people find you and continue following your movement?
1: So you can find me on LinkedIn. I post new content almost every day. on the- Every day.
0: Every day. She's on LinkedIn every day. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm one of Sarah's biggest fans. So I, I can take
1: it. Oh, thank you, Tim. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> um, So I'm posting everything on LinkedIn. My website is www.briefcasecoach.com. I'm just pretty hunkered down working with clients right now. We're doing really great work. My people are getting hired and finding jobs. And I, feel like I'm like I've trained for the Olympics and now I'm competing in the Olympics of helping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. In, 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 in very dire times, you know, what's your outlook of how work is going to change mm-hmm. um, post-COVID-19? We love your thoughts on that. Do you kind of see us going more so into more hybrid workplaces or is it do you think it's going to be remote for the long, long run?
1: We you see a lot of big companies like Facebook who've said that they're open to allowing employees to work remotely until 2021. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens after 2021. I am concerned that it's going to the movement towards remote work will potentially eliminate or prevent or make it more challenging for younger employees to level up. Especially if they're not getting FaceTime with their bosses or their bosses' bosses. I think you're going to find a lot of people who are going to do great work on an individual contributor basis, Mm -hmm. but I'm concerned about that collaboration and that FaceTime piece. So I really hope it's more of a hybrid model. I hope we don't go completely remote in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's actually a powerful point. Powerful point. You know, one one of my biggest concerns is, is mental health crisis. I think right now, going remote, I mean, if you just have all, like a lot of people are struggling with their mental health right now due to being remote and then not having really the agency or the compassion of nice leaders. kind of inspire them and motivate them. And it's one of the biggest important elements of work is the social component. And I think we often are reading too many highlights about, oh, remote work is this, it's good for this, It's, it's saving costs. But we forget at the end of the day, we're all human beings. So the community that work brings actually does help, even if you don't love your teammates every single day, like it gives you a sense of camaraderie. So I think that's something that a lot of organizations have to think about.
1: Yeah, you missed the like context of someone like when you're working remotely with someone, it's hard to necessarily know that maybe their spouse has cancer or maybe their child is really sick. And that's potentially why they're slipping. Whereas when you work with them one on one, you understand you kind of have more compassion towards those things.
0: Yeah, yeah that's so true. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on today's live episode of Alicia's Future of Work. You know, what is your powerful takeaway for our guide community?
1: My powerful takeaway for the Guy community is to lean into your network. Mm. I think that the word networking is thrown around, but people are often afraid to go yeah. to people and ask for advice and ask for help. And I want to encourage you today to not be afraid, to have those conversations, and it really just takes one conversation to change the whole trajectory of your career. And so I urge people to put themselves out there and to just ask people in their network for advice.
0: Sarah, that's powerful. Love that. Love (laughs) that. Take advantage of your network. Don't just network, connect too in that regard. Sarah, we need to have you on for a future episode. What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'd love to. We'd love to, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. And please definitely check out and follow her work. The last word will go to my boy, Orlando Haynes.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Do you see more companies accepting of more job seekers, bringing entrepreneur ideas to move the future of work forward? What are your thoughts on that, Sarah?
1: Yes. Start? I think companies want to hire entrepreneurial employees. They value, especially now when, um, you know, revenues are potentially dropping, especially in certain industries. They're looking for someone who can reinvent the space, who's got ideas and who can execute on ideas. So that person with that entrepreneurial background is right. who companies want to hire. I mean, look at Google, look at Amazon. Their, their questions are geared around that entrepreneurial person. What do you think, Tim?
0: Oh, 110%. <laughs> 110%, like literally. And, and even for us a Guy, we're scouting because we scout talent. We don't just hire. like We really scout before we start making the decision and bringing people in. We're scouting people who are highly motivated, intrinsically motivated, but at the same time, they love doing, they love building stuff. So we're very intentional thinking about like, who are we bringing into the organization that from day one to day 30, they're ready to, to uh, you know, hit the ground running. And I think that's a really, really powerful element now, being that we're all working remotely, right? You want Every company is looking for people who are more intrinsically motivated, not just financially motivated. That's an element, but intrinsically motivated and more importantly, can take care of themselves. It's autonomous. So I think um, I love what Orlando Haynes is saying is that every organization is looking for kind of those people who are ready to bring in ideas and, and, and be more entrepreneurial. Love that, Orlando. With that said, thank you so much, Orlando, for that amazing question. Sarah, we love you. We need you to come back. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. This was so fun.
0: (laughs) Talk to you soon, Sarah. Bye. Bye. With that said, we are going to roll out on Toro Emory. But before we roll out, I want to encourage you all to check out guideapp.co and sign up for our early beta. Our beta has been going amazingly well. We have amazing companies in our beta that we are supporting, who are our customers. And more importantly, we have amazing creators who are leading their own respective movements. I also want to encourage you all to definitely check out, check out, check out Sarah's work. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing leader in what she's doing. And she's sharing a lot of resources on her LinkedIn. I've shared and I've tagged her in this video. So please make sure you follow her and her work on LinkedIn, as well as follow her on Twitter, where she's incredibly active as well. With that said, if you have any questions, if you have anyone in mind that you think would make for perfect guests on our future episode of Unleashing the Future of Work Guide Live B2B Jam Session, please reach out to me and check us out at utfow.com and just let us know who do you think we should have on for a future episode. Once again, check out guideapp.co guideapp.co if you're interested in being a part of our early access beta with that said talk to you all soon and i want you all to jam out to mr tori e Moy this is called new house new house
1: I want to play a new house, something I can't buy, something I can't
0: afford. I want to play a new house, something I can't buy, something I can't afford. My auntie's make it off the jet right now it been a blast like all day Oh, well, you gotta do this, try to test me Right
1: when I touched, I got anxiety Follow signs out of the terminal now, JFK is a different
0: animal now Damn, base claims like a war zone Better pack, fight, cause I'm on my own I'm a friend of
1: house.
0: Something I can't not buy, something I can't afford.
1: I want a brand new house, something I can't not buy, something I can't afford. No. No. I just want a long shower. I've been so
0: crowded. My battle, I think I something text, My battle here's my new address Stay for me, stay for me Is that a reasoning?